almost thought you forgot. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. And uh, yes, I was saying something to Vic there. You didn't hear something that you thought you heard, but you didn't hear. And it, I'd tell you the story, but it's just much too long of a story. So it's just, we got a little thing. But anyway, um, and so Luke chapter 11, uh, we are so excited to be continuing in our series, Conversations with God. And so a few weeks ago, we kind of started this premise. If we could sit down and have a conversation with God, uh, what would be some questions we would ask? What would be some things we want to know? What are some things we want to ask him to give us insight into? And we've covered a lot of topics from what would God say about church to what would God say about politics and a lot of things in between that. And so if you've missed any of the talks, any of the messages, uh, you can access those either online. You can get those on our website, northgoodland.org. You can get them on our app which is North Goodland BC in your app store, Google or Apple. And also you can get them in CD form. If you would like, you can sign up at the Welcome Center. Um, there is a fee to that. But what we'll probably do is once the series is done, we'll go ahead and make that series available. You can just order the entire series or you can actually check it out of the, of the Welcome Center, kind of like a library. We'll have the whole series. You can check it out for a few weeks and then return that when you're done with it. Um, and that way there's no fee to it. But if you would prefer to have the CD copy uh, for your vehicle or when you're driving back and forth somewhere, uh, that would be great too. So we are in, uh, I think, the seventh week of our series. And so we have one more week. Uh, next week, we're going to finish up this series. And then we have Appreciation Sunday at the end of the month, which we're really excited about. And so uh, this morning, as I was kind of praying through, okay, Lord, what are these last couple weeks going to be like? What, what do we need to be talking about? Um, a topic came to my mind, and it's one that, uh, to be honest with you, just to be real for a minute, um, it's something we've talked about a lot as a church over the years that I've been the pastor here, and even before that, obviously. Um, and it's, what would God say about prayer? What would God say about prayer? And, and when we think about that, uh, we tend to do like what we did with the church one. Uh, we think, okay, well, what, does, what would God say about church? What would God say about prayer? Those are pretty obvious answers. Most of us would go, well, we have a pretty good idea of what God thinks of prayer, what God thinks of church, how should we pray, why should we pray, all those kind of things. And so I was sitting in my office this week, and as I was writing down some different things that I felt like kind of could be potential topics, that one kept coming back to my mind. And I honestly, I'm just being honest with you guys, I sat there for a minute and I was like, Lord, really? Like, I just taught on prayer when we were doing the online services uh, back in, I believe it would have been April. And I remember thinking, Lord, I, I, do I really need, I mean, does the church really need to hear another message on prayer? I mean, really, God, I mean, it's a pretty exhausted topic as far as in recent memory of what we've been talking about. And it was kind of the way, you ever have this happen where you, you say something like that to God? And I'm not talking about audible responses, okay? I, God didn't speak to me in a voice or nothing like that, okay? So don't, don't get weirded out or anything. But it wasn't that. It wasn't audible. But you know what I mean. When God just begins to kind of stir inside of your heart by the working of the Spirit and brings things to your remembrance. And it was one of those moments where it was almost like the Spirit was just kind of slightly nudging me. You ever been nudged by God? Sometimes it's not a nudge. It's like a straight up like push. Sometimes it's like my mom used to say he used to thump people, you know, just need one of those Holy Spirit thumps right about now, and I'm so thankful for the thumps that God has given me in my life. Um, some of them weren't pleasant in the thumping, but much more enjoyable after I realized why God was doing that. And it was almost as though God just kind of reminded me, okay, yeah, we've talked about it, but let me ask you, have, would you say you've consistently applied the things you know of prayer in your own personal life? 
And it was in that moment I was kind of like, well, God, I know I don't always, I'm not even always, I know I don't get it all the time applied and the things I need to understand with prayer, the, vi- the vital nature of prayer, the importance of prayer, the, the heart of prayer, why we pray. And it was almost as though God was like, okay, well, if you're not consistently applying it, don't you think maybe there's someone else in the church that maybe needs to be encouraged? And so saying all that to say this, we, I went ahead and decided to go with what God was leading. I find that when you don't go with what God is leading, you end up doing it sooner or later, okay? Just whether you want to do it with joy or with this begrudging. So I decided, okay, we're going to go ahead and go this route. And so we're going to talk about this morning. And so I want to go to Luke chapter 11. I think this is just really in all the applications of prayer and all the avenues we could go and all the ways that God could talk to us this morning about prayer. Um, I want to go there and start there. And also let me say this. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're not at the spectrum, the end of the spectrum I just talked about. You're not in the, I've learned about prayer, I've heard about prayer, I've studied about prayer for years and years and years and years. I know it, I know it, I know it. Right? I've been in church for so long, I know this stuff. Maybe you're at the other end of the spectrum. And you've been in church a long time. Maybe you've even been, uh, you've, you've confessed. Maybe you've never really studied it. Maybe you've really never thought through it. Maybe you're here this morning, you've gone to church a lot. Maybe you're not even a believer. Maybe you're not even a follower of Christ. Maybe you would say, you know what, I don't even know if I believe that Jesus is the Savior. But my family's Christian, or we've gone to church a lot, so I go to church because I think it's good to do that. Let me just tell you right now, like, if you're at that other end, and you're like, I don't even know where to start with prayer, please don't be embarrassed by that. Uh, Real quick, I've I've told this story before, but it's always stuck with me. I'll never forget the Sunday morning. I finished preaching. I came down off the platform, and an older gentleman met me right here, this spot, right there, Okay. So for those on the audio recording, it's right here, okay? And this man met me there, and I, I just, man, went to church here for years. I did what so many of us do. We do this a lot in church, in church culture. Um, America doesn't have a lack of church problem, right? We got plenty of churches. We got a lack of the gospel. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel or all this other nonsense going around. I'm talking about the true gospel. We got plenty of churches, and we got plenty of church attenders in America today. All kinds of people go to church. Doesn't mean they're saved. Doesn't mean they're going to heaven. We've got a lot of church goers and a lot of churches. And so I made the same assumption maybe some of you have made. You see somebody in church a lot. You just start to assume because they're here and they, quote, look the part and, quote, sound the part and, quote, sing the songs and they carry their Bible. You just go, oh, they're just saved. We do this a lot to people, by the way, in church culture. And we do this in restaurants, too. You ever go to a restaurant and see a family and all dressed up and you just assume they came out of church and assume they're Christian and assume a lot of things? And you see someone come with the jeans and a T-shirt and tattoos and piercings and go, well, that person needs Jesus. When that person could have come, just came from church and we don't, maybe those people just like to dress up on Sunday. We don't know. But we do that, don't we? We project these things. And so I did that to this gentleman. He came up to me, and I knew him for a while, and I said, hey, how's it going? And this man looked at me with tears in his eyes and said, I need to give my life to Christ. I need to stop playing games. Okay, let's do that. I was like, awesome. This man's in his 60s probably at that time. I said, let's do that. I said, all you need to do is just pray and ask Christ into your heart. Guys, I'll never forget the moment. He looked right at me with such such embarrassment. He goes, I don't know how to pray. An older gentleman, been in church, sat in numbers of services. In all sincerity, he looked at me and said, I don't really know how to pray. Guys, that was a humbling moment for me. Because it reminded me that we take so many things for granted. So if you're here today and you're like, I don't really know how to pray. I don't know some of the basics of prayer. Please don't feel weird about that. I pray that you would just open your heart and mind to God and His Holy Spirit, that He'll work 
and encourage you with these things. And obviously, if you don't know Christ, we pray that first you'll pray that sinner's prayer. Not that you need to pray a certain prayer other than, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Would you save me for my sins? Anything along those lines. There's no recorded sinner's prayer in Scripture, by the way. We say that all the time. Just pray the sinner's prayer. What book, chapter, and verse is that in again? Oh, there isn't one in there. Oh, okay. You know what people mean when they say that? They talk about Romans chapter 10, and we'll, we'll get there in a little bit here. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that God raised him from the dead. Okay, put your faith and trust in Christ that he is the Savior. That is the prayer that you need to pray today if you don't know Christ. Before you pray for anything else, pray for your own salvation and confession of Christ. But I want to jump into Luke here because I believe we can get some pretty clear things from Scripture. And again, I encourage you to study prayer on your own. Go, there's so many books and great Bible studies. Um, we did one by the Kendrick brothers um, who made some of those great Christian movies like um, Fireproof and uh, The Giants one. What's the one? Facing the Giants. Some of those guys, they did a great study. We did it as a, uh, as a Bible study here um, about prayer. So there's great prayer resources. But before we start studying and reading other books about prayer, and other authors' opinions about prayer, let's get into God's Word and see what God says about prayer. And then those things are supplemental to God's Word. So Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. This is where we're going to start. I think it's a great starting point. It says here, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, who, who was praying here? Who's the he that was praying? This is Jesus, right? When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. But, and I know Pastor Greg prayed, but let's pray and ask God to speak to us this morning. Father, we come before you today and we do ask that you would just work in our hearts and minds. Holy Spirit, we don't have to invite you or convince you to come into our presence. You are here because we are gathered together as the body of Christ. That we are, we are coming together in the name of Christ as your church, as the church. And we are excited to worship you. And part of worship is not merely just singing some songs and, and reading some words in a book. It's about the heart of the worshiper, that we lift up these songs and work in a, as an act of praise to you. We read your word to declare the truth of God's word that we might be changed thereby. And we ask that you would lead, guide, and direct in all these things, Father. Lord, instill in us what we need to know this week in prayer, that we would become consistent in our prayer lives for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so... Um, if we were here today, and if God was sitting across from us, um, and I don't know what God would drink. If he would drink coffee or tea or water or flavored water or lattes or whatever. Um, coffee, okay, obviously that is. You know why God drinks coffee? Because the Bible says that he brews, right? He brews. Okay. That was free. That wasn't even in the notes. That was just, that was a given one. That was rough too. Okay, so. In this passage in Luke, I love this example because I think we can see real quick here. Now, we're not going to read the entire passage, but I encourage you to read what Jesus goes on to explain. And we're going to see that he gives them, what do we call this when Jesus gives them an example of prayer? The model prayer, right? We, we, there's other scriptures that record this, but basically he teaches them an example of prayer. Um, Jesus gives us his own prayer, right? We read the Lord's Prayer actually in John 17, right when Jesus is praying before the Father, before he goes to the cross. So we see examples of Christ talking about prayer. We see examples of Jesus even praying. There's a lot of times it just says he was praying. He went away into a separate place and played, prayed. He went over here and did this and prayed. He was over here praying. And even here, what was Jesus praying about in the beginning of Luke 11? We don't know. 
We don't know for sure what Jesus was praying or who he was praying for. Uh, you can read John 17 and get an idea of what his prayer life may have looked like. Uh, we talked about it last week. Do you know one of the things I think Jesus made a point of making sure was in his prayers was that the, the Father was glorified through the Son. Uh, we see that often in his prayer in 17. But I love this. And, and the reason I want to start here was because this is the only thing that really specifically, now we know he taught them other things, but this is the only thing the disciples actually ask Jesus to teach them. Did you notice that? He says, teach us to pray. They don't say teach us to preach, teach us to lead music. Nothing against leading music, okay? Not against leading music. I had to take that class in college, and I still to this day wish Pastor Keith could have been in that class with me because it would have been just so entertaining for him to watch a bunch of pastoral majors trying to take a music class. I always prayed for the music leader of that class because I think every day he left with the biggest headache, like, these guys are idiots. How can they, they can, you know, discern these great theological truths, find C on the piano. Uh. He actually gave extra credit one time for anybody to come up and push, is it middle C? Is that a thing on piano? Okay, I'm getting the thumbs up. All right. And he, this kid walked up and pushed middle C. Boom. And we're all like in amazement. How did he do that? And then he's walking back to his seat. He goes, I was a music major. I, I transitioned into pastoral ministry. I'm like, oh, okay, that's why. You're, you're a plant. That's what it is. You're a ringer. So that's cool. But when he asked these, when these disciples rather asked Jesus to teach them something, isn't it amazing that they asked to be taught how to pray? They didn't ask, how do we cast out demons? How do we raise the dead? How do we feed thousands? How do we preach in a way that compels people to know Christ? Would you just teach us to pray? Could you imagine this scene for a moment? Jesus is praying. They're watching, or they're at least engaged in some way. They know that he's praying. And then he finishes his prayer, and they go, Lord, would you teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray? That's an amazing connection there. We've talked about this before in the past. What does that tell you about the ministry of John? John the Baptist, specifically, is who he's talking about here. John was a man of great prayer. How is it that God could use a man that seemingly was not religiously fitted to do the work that God called him to do because he was a man of prayer? And God equipped him through his prayer life. And that the disciples do the same thing John's disciples did. Do you see this? The disciples saw what Jesus did. They heard what Jesus said, how he taught, how he ministered. And they made a direct correlation from the public ministry of Christ and all that Jesus did even the private teachings of Christ, to his prayer life. They made that connection. Do you see that? Man, Lord, we're seeing you do all these great things. If you teach us to pray, we too can be a part of what you're doing. We can see great things come. And I believe if we're not careful, we can forget that. We start to think that somehow the things we do for Christ are because of us or our intelligence or our abilities or our time or our talents or our finances. And those things are great blessings of God. But if we disconnect the work of God from prayer with God, we're going to be isolated from the power of God. I truly believe this. If we don't spend consistent time in prayer individually and as a church, we will be disconnected from the very equipping and power of God that we could have in our lives. I'm not talking about loss of salvation. I'm not talking about any of that. We're still saved. We're still redeemed and all that. But that intimate connection with Christ that empowers us and strengthens us and equips us and encourages us. Anyone need encouragement lately? Anyone at all need some encouragement this last week? Just a couple. Okay. Whoever didn't raise their hand, thank you for not watching the news. Because if you're watching the news or you're on social media, you need some encouragement. I'm just telling you. 
We all need that. So guess where the greatest place, guess the greatest source of our encouragement comes from and our strength. It comes from other people, yes. Great, good, the body of Christ, equipping and encouraging, perfect. But first and foremost, it comes from that relationship with Christ, which is expounded upon in study of God's word and prayer with God. It's when I vent to God and I lay it before his feet and I'm just open before him in prayer. That's where that intimacy is found in that relationship. And I believe if we disconnect that from our lives, meaning we're not consistent in that, man, we're going to find ourselves being discouraged, getting downhearted, feeling frustrated, disappointed and failed expectations of others. But when I focus on, man, Lord, it's you and me. I want to spend time with you and grow in you. And yes, it's not one-sided, okay? Prayer is us, if you want to say, communicating to God. And he communicates back through his word. But I believe also he moves and equips in the spirit. He gives us comfort. I mean, isn't it amazing to be comforted by God? And you might say, well, what is that like? You can't really tell someone all the time what it's like. It's just this feeling of your burdens being lifted and you just have a peace. And guess where we can enjoy that? In prayer. And so the disciples, they directly connected the ministry of Christ to the prayer life of Christ, to what they saw in Christ and who Christ was behind the scenes in a prayer time with the Father. And so what would God tell us in person today? If he could sit here and tell us, this is, this is the key of prayer. This is the biggest part of prayer. Now, again, this is not exhaustive. Many applications can run out of this. But I believe the first thing he would tell us is prayer is foundational. So if you're taking notes this morning, the first thing we have to know is prayer is foundational. Go over to, to Mark's gospel, Mark uh, chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 in verse 15. So Mark chapter 11 and verse 15. So prayer is, is the direct connection to that intimate relationship with Christ. It's, it's vital. Um, by the way, it doesn't have to be two-hour prayer, okay? I don't know if you guys ever studied, like, the prayer life of great people of God, like the D.O. Moody's, the Spurgeons, and all of that. Some of them had, I mean, multiple hours of prayer and Bible study. That's awesome. If you can get up at four in the morning and spend four hours in prayer and Bible study, praise God. Some of you are moms and dads, and if you had 20 minutes of privacy, you'd jump for joy, okay? So four hours of quiet, intimate time with God, that's, that's paradise for you. That's like, that's, that is the heaven to be with God because that's never going to happen this side of heaven, right? In this fallen and broken and child-filled world. Nothing against children. I love children, but they can, they take your time, okay? Some of you have jobs that don't allow you that time right out the gate. And so it's not about, why do we do this? It's not about the amount of time necessarily we spend with God. Do you know you can spend two hours with God with the wrong heart and it's wasted? Or you can spend 10 minutes with the Father in a most sincere moment of prayer and God is glorified. So yes, if you can spend long periods of time, I encourage it, of course. Spend ample time with God. Spend more than just one time a day with God. It's great to start your day with God, but why can't we spend some time with Him in the afternoon or in the evening or before bed? Why has it always got to be, well, I, my devotion time is in the morning. That's God's time. And the rest of the time is my time. That's a horrible way to live your Christian life. That's that kind of same kind of mindset that says, I tithe my 10% of my finances, but the 90% is mine. Wrong mindset. 100% of it is God's. He just l allows you management of it. And one day he'll say, and you'll give an account for that, by the way, because you're a good steward. That just means manager, Okay. 
And so when you think about this idea of prayer being foundational, it is, it is the groundwork of our Christian life. Look at Mark chapter 11, verse 15. And I want to read through here uh, just a few verses. And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. We actually touched on this on Wednesday night in our adult class. It says, And would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught them, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him, because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. Wow. Okay, if your mindset of Jesus is the hippie Jesus that walks around glowing and floating all the time, really calm and peaceful and just, mm, peace, peace, mm, peace. That's not the Jesus of Scripture. I'm just going to be honest with you for a minute. Yes, Jesus said some very loving and gracious and calming words. I mean, how many times did Jesus say, fear not? I mean, that's calming when the Son of God says, hey, don't fear. Okay, I guess I cannot fear because you're God, so I won't fear. But the, Jesus was also very direct and stern and harsh with people that needed to be dealt with. And he comes into the temple, and real quick, he wasn't mad at them for selling things in the temple. He was mad at them for ripping people off and misleading the people. And the religious leaders were taking part in this. But I want you to note here, all of that going on, Jesus makes a statement. What is the point of the temple? Jesus said it. He said, it's a house of prayer. Isn't this amazing? The temple was a house of prayer above all things. Now, is that all they did there was pray? No. But that's the key thing that Jesus emphasizes. And the disciples asked for one thing, teach us to pray. So again, we see prayer is foundational. This moment in the temple must have been shocking for those at the temple. Could you imagine you're just a guy or a woman at the temple? You're just going to the temple, right? It's just a normal temple day. And all this commotion breaks out. And you peek in, and there's Jesus flipping tables, right? Driving people out. Now, I know what most of you would do. You'd go get some popcorn. This is awesome. Man, look at how he just threw that guy. Oh, that's crazy. Okay? Yes, the phone. I'm sorry, I forgot. We'd all we'd be like filming it, right? And, and putting it online. Thank you, Lynn, for that. Yes. We're a, a generation of people who film things, but don't get involved. I don't want to get involved, but I'm going to film it. But I can't get involved, okay? I mean, it's a crazy moment when Jesus does this. And by the way, Jesus does what only really Jesus could do, Right? Jesus gets filled with righteous anger. And why was he able to drive them out and it be not a sin and not a sin of anger? Because he is God. And as God and the Son of God, it's his house and his Father's house. Therefore, he gets to dictate what goes on in that house. And when people aren't doing things that are appropriate to worship him and his Father, he has the sovereign right to drive them out because it's his house and his Father's house. He made a decision that his worship and the worship of the Father, by the way, the glory of the Father was not being shown in that. So he drove them out. So no, you've, you've exchanged. You've changed the purpose of the temple from a house of prayer to a den of thieves. The religious leaders, instead of being the shepherds, caring for the people through prayer, were allowing the people to be robbed in the name of God. One author said it this way, instead of praying for the people, the priests were praying on the people. And if there is a description of what happens in the modern church today in some places, I don't know of a better one. 
And there are so many churches and pastors that are literally preying on the people of God. Send us your money. Call this phone number. We'll send you this bottle of water that we say is holy, and then we'll pray for you, and you'll get tenfold whatever you've paid to our hotline. It's, it's, it's not even just wrong. It's sinful. It's condemning. It's damning, and it's, it's just embarrassing for God. And it makes those of us that know Christ very frustrated, even angry, because we see the glory of God being marred with the sin of these individuals. And so here, Jesus gets so upset. This is actually the second time Jesus cleansed the temple. Uh, he drove them out in John 2, early in his ministry. And so when you read there, there are some things. People have tried to make this the same situation. It's not. There's some diff glaring differences about when it happened and how it happened. But John 2, we see the first cleansing. And towards the end of his ministry, we see the second cleansing. This is also recorded uh, for context, if you want to study it out. So here in Mark, also in Matthew 21, 12 through 13, and Luke 19, 45 through 46, we see this cleansing as well, the second cleansing. Jesus declared that it was to be a house of prayer. Again, obviously other things took place there than just prayer, but this is the emphasis that Christ pointed out. So if God was sitting here across from me and I said, God, what... What's really the point of, of prayer? What's really the point of worship? What's really the point of this church? My own personal Christian life. I think you would say the foundation of that is prayer. It was the foundation of the temple. It's the foundation of the disciples' ministry. And I believe, as we're going to see, it's the foundation of the church. Because the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ and him crucified, buried, and rose again. And we communicate that to him in praise through prayer and to others through preaching. And so I believe it's foundational. Uh, the King James says, of all nations, quote, of all nations, the house of prayer. Now, the word order there, you may get confused a little bit about that. Um, you may think it gives the impression that other nations will identify the temple as a house of prayer, maybe even just for the Jews. So, of all the nations, they see this is the house of prayer for the Jews. Uh, really, it is saying that it is the house of prayer for all nations, so it's just kind of the word order might confuse you, but maybe not. Maybe you kind of understand that already. But it's saying, for all nations, my house is a house of prayer. The word nations there is actually the word ethnos. Ethnos. This should sound familiar. We support Ethnos 360, a tribal ministry, missionary group. Ethnos is just a word for family, people group, or, or what we would call maybe as a nation, meaning more like Italy and England. Nation here means people group, a language group. Okay, so one nation could have many people groups. Our nation actually has many people groups, meaning language groups within it. Uh, Papua New Guinea has hundreds, if not even thousands of language groups within it. So Jesus isn't saying it's just a house of prayer for this sovereign nation and that sovereign nation. It's saying every individual people group should know that this is a house of prayer for them. That's powerful. What's interesting is all the way back in Genesis... God says all the people of the earth will be blessed, all the families, all the nations, all the ethnos. And so that's why when we talk about prayer, we're not just saying it's a house of prayer for us. It's a house of prayer for anyone that is battling, struggling, hurt, downtrodden, so we can invite them to come in and say, let's bring this before God and understand what that looks like in our lives. And so it's crucial. God is never a one-people group God. We have to get that in our heads. Let me ask you this. When Jesus was born and they told the shepherds, this is good news for all people, for all peoples, 
Not just one people or this people or that people or this one. It's for everyone, the good news of Jesus Christ. And again, I think the more we understand that, we'd see less of the issues we see today in our world. I really do believe that's true. So it was foundational in the temple. It was key in the temple. It was the designated, emphasized purpose of the temple according to Jesus. My house will be a house of prayer, not a house of preaching, not a house of music, not a house of this, not a house of programs. Man, if the modern church needs to hear anything, it's that. It's not a house of programs and catchy things that we do. I'm all for programs. We use programs here. But it's not about the program. It's about the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we have a church culture today that picks churches based on programs, not on the prayer life of the church. Not in the emphasis of that in the church. And I believe our church must be a church of prayer. Because, I'll give you two references. There's many more, but I'll give you two. Acts chapter 2. Go over there. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 very familiar verse. If you've studied the early church, you know this verse. It's very popular. But not only was it key emphasized in the temple, it's a key emphasized in the church. So in the temple, we see it's emphasized. In the church, it's emphasized. In the disciples' lives, it's emphasized. In the life of Christ, it was a priority. And so I want us to see this as we kind of continue on. So Acts 2.42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine which again is just the teaching the apostles taught them what Jesus taught them, and fellowship. So again, fellowship is good. Forever Young is going to have a fellowship time today. That's a blessed time. That's important, and it's biblical because it's founded in the work of Christ. It's not just time to get together and chat, although it is that at times. The connection goes deeper than that because there's a commonality in Christ and in salvation. Then it goes on to say this, and in breaking of bread, so sharing of meals, whether that's just meals or whether that's also the communion of of the Lord's Supper, and in prayers. So preaching, right? Apostles' doctrine, preaching, prayers in the church. Same emphasis, same importance, same. It's, it's, it's equally crucial to the success and health of the ministry or of, of the church. We see the early church made a point of being, of being a critical part of their worship. Go over to Acts chapter 12. A lot of stuff happens between Acts 2 and Acts 12. I encourage you to read it. Uh, I will say this. The book of Acts is what we call a transitional book. That means there's things that are recorded in the book of Acts that were only intended to happen once or during the time of transition between the foundation of the church and the establishment of God's word. So there's things in Acts you might read in between 2 and 12 and go, wow, that's pretty amazing. That may be something that was narrative, happened for the founding of the early church, but not necessarily normative for the church today. Okay, and so I can't get into all that right now. I gotta, we got to keep going, but hopefully you understand kind of what I mean by that. And if you have any questions, please ask as you're studying through that. So Acts chapter 12 and verse uh, 12. It says here, uh, so when you read through here, Peter's in prison, all these things are going on. Um, but when you read here in Acts 12, it says that when they had considered the thing, so after Peter's been um, arrested, all these things are going on. When they considered the thing, He came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together singing songs. No, that's not what it says. Where many were gathered together preaching doctrine. Right? Serving one another. All good things, but is that what it says? What were they doing? Man, as all this persecution's building, read the book of Acts. It's crazy what the church went through. And we think we're persecuted today. We are, to a degree, persecuted, of course. In every culture, 
of humanity. We've been persecuted as a church since the founding of the church because the world hates us because it doesn't understand. So we're not like surprised by persecution, but we can also identify and say, man, the persecution the early church went through is not really what we go through in America today. But we still get some level of persecution, of course. But when you read all these things happening, all this persecution and struggle and all this stuff, they actually gathered together and were praying in a house. This is a church, basically, an early church. Isn't it amazing that prayer was what they went to? Didn't matter who was there. Didn't matter who was leading in prayer. Didn't matter the program, who was the music, what time of day it was. Hey, let's just get together because you know what, man? We need God to intervene. We need prayer. We need to get together and pray and encourage one another. We see the early church, again, made a point of prayer. It was not an afterthought for the church, but a key in their regular behavior as a church. A statement that kind of, as I was writing this this week, that came to me that I, I hope is encouraging to you is this. I truly believe that a praying church may not be the biggest church numerically. A praying church may not be the biggest church numerically, but it will always be a Christ-centered church. A praying church may not always be the largest or a growing church numerically, but it will always be a Christ-centered church. Our desire as a church is to give you opportunities to pray, not just with your individual prayer lives and encourage you in that, but together as a church. So Sunday morning, just to give you a quick lowdown, if you're like, what are some examples of that, Pastor? Thank you for asking, church person. I'm so glad you want to know. We give you some opportunities here. Sunday morning, we have time in a room down the hallway here. Uh, from about, we say 9.45. It's really whenever uh, the church is open, usually about 9.30. But 9.45 to right before service, there's a room designated set up for you to pray individually. You can just go sit, get your heart and mind prepared for the service. In the service, here in just a little bit, we're going to have a time of invitation. Do you know what invitation is? A chance for you to come and pray, either there in your seats or here at the altar, and respond to what God is doing in your life. Make a decision or a commitment, or just encourage yourself through prayer and say, God, would you work with me on this? Uh, Wednesday night, we have, I'm sorry, Sunday night, in our normal services, we open up our Sunday night service with a taking of prayer requests. So that you can hear what people are going through and write down prayer requests and praises. And we can rejoice with God and pray for one another. On Wednesday night, we have a whole time designated. Sometimes it's the last 10, 15 minutes. Sometimes it's a little less. Sometimes it's a little more. Where we pass out the prayer guide. We'll get to that in a minute. And we give you opportunity to open and free pray. We don't have a set time per se. We know we want to end about. But we just say, if you want to pray, pray. If you don't want to pray out loud, that's fine. Let's just gather together and pray. And we just have a time of open prayer where people can just pray whatever's on their heart and mind. And then we have a prayer guide. I mentioned that already. That's at the Welcome Center. You can take that home with you. It's all the different prayer concerns that have been submitted to the church. Those usually come in through text or phone or through Wednesday night. You can pray for those requests. You can have that up on your calendar, up on your fridge, in your bedroom, wherever you can pray for those different requests. All our missionaries are listed there, ministry leaders, all that's in there. You can pray for those things. We have our prayer chain which you can sign up for, where you'll receive automated text prayer requests that you can pray for those in the church that are going through things. Here's the point. We as a church, I don't want to tell you as a pastor, hey, let's be a praying church, but then never give opportunity to be a praying church. It is intentional and with great purpose that we will be a praying church. And I've had people tell me before, you know, I just can't come to a prayer meeting. I need some, I need some meat. I need some Bible teaching. I just to come and pray. I don't know if I can do that. I get it, guys. I get what the person meant, and I love them, and I know what their heart was. And so we do Bible teaching on Wednesday nights. 
We do. We have a time of devotion and getting into God's Word. It was awesome this Wednesday night, by the way. It turned into a word study about the Holy Spirit just sporadically. People were just looking up different words for the Spirit and what it meant and all this. It was amazing. But we also want to make sure that, hey, listen, prayer is just as vital as Bible study. And I believe we need to be a praying church. The Word of God is our base, and Christ graciously builds upon it our church through prayer and submission to his will for his glory. Real quick, I say real quick. Um, let me see here. Where are we at in my notes? I don't even know where I'm at in the notes. Okay. You know what we're going to do? We're going to stop right here because I am not going to bust through this in 10 minutes. Just point in the sermon is prayer is not rubbing a magic lamp. And so I really want to unpack that. We've got some verses to look at, so I don't want to rush through that. So pray for your grace on that. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to kind of hold off on this. Um, I have done that before where I've rushed through something and somebody came to me afterwards and says, that was great, but I don't know what you said in the last eight minutes of the message. It just was like a blur. Um, and so I don't want to do that this morning. But here's what I want to do. Um, I want to make sure we're, we're very clear on this. Um, prayer is not just something we throw up to God. Okay? Th- these are not just hopeful wishes. This, this is time spent with Creator God. This is time spent before the presence of God. And we get to lay our requests and our anxieties and our needs before Him. And we get to s- allow Him to intercede and to work and to move and so here's what I'm going to do this, this morning. If, if you are struggling in your prayer life, and when I say struggle, I mean prayer is in your personal life an afterthought. You think of it maybe before you eat, but that's about it. You think of it when something bad happens. By the way, God's still okay with you praying when something bad happens if that's the only time you pray in that day. So many people tell me, well, I feel bad. I only pray when something bad happens. That's okay. Your Father wants to hear from you. It should be more than that, but don't beat yourself up for that. But I would just ask you real quick, as we get ready to have an invitation, what, what's your prayer life look like? And it's not a legalistic thing where we check the box. It's, is it consistent? Do you consistently spend time with him in prayer? And is your prayer life then, if you would say, oh, yes, pastor, I pray all the time. Okay. Is the majority of your prayer life asking of God? Or is the majority of your prayer life worshiping God and then asking of him after you spend time in worship with him? We can ask. We can lay requests, of course. But the majority of our prayer time better be lifting up the name of Christ, not just asking of him the to-do list that we sometimes lay before him. Would you bow in prayer with me as we kind of allow God to settle these things in our hearts and minds? Father, we pray that as we go before you this morning that we would just really honestly evaluate these questions for ourselves, that we would ask ourselves, Lord, what just personally, what does our prayer life look like? Are we spending time with you? Do we make it the foundational point that you make it? Do we honestly think it's so vital that it directly affects my daily life for you? Do I equate health as a follower of Christ and, 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 and fruit as a follower of Christ in connection with my prayer life? Do I consistently spend more time in prayer asking of you things than just merely stopping to recognize who you are? Maybe, Lord, we need to stop and recognize why we can even pray. That the only reason we can pray is because you gave yourself on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again. And as you save us from our sins, now we have that relationship with you and we can actually come before you in prayer and communion. So, Father, I pray that we would just spend time this morning evaluating our own lives 
Maybe we need to spend some time evaluating, are we taking opportunity or taking advantage of the opportunities that the church provides to us to spend time in prayer? Do we rush right into service or do we take maybe a few minutes to go to the prayer room and just say, Lord, still my heart and mind. This is going on. I need you to give me wisdom in that, but I pray you just help me to be directed towards you this morning. So Father, in all these things, I pray that you would be glorified. With your heads bowed right there where you are, no one looking around, I'm just going to ask you one quick question. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you as you come forward. But with your heads bowed, just real quick before we have you stand in just a moment, is there anyone here this morning that would say, you know, Pastor John, would you pray for me? My prayer life is not what it needs to be. I know I'm not consistent. I know I spend more time asking of God like he's a genie or a vending machine than I really do call it a relationship of communication between me and the Father. So I just want to ask, I won't call you out. I won't come to you or anything. I just want to pray for you because we all are there. I could raise my hand to this as well, by the way. And so without looking around, is there anyone that would raise their hand and say, Pastor John, would you pray for me? I know my prayer life is not what it needs to be. Would you pray that I'd be more consistent in my prayer life in my everyday life that I would see the connections. Just put your hand up, anyone, over here on the one side, amen. Just put it up for a moment and put it down, amen. Anyone else? Just pray for me, Pastor John. I know it needs to be more consistent. Is there anyone that would say amen over here? Is there anyone that would say, you know what, Pastor John, pray for me. I spend more time asking of God than submitting to God in my everyday life, I feel like, and in my prayer life. Is there anyone there that would raise your hand? Amen, over here. Just put it up and put it down. Amen. Those of you that raised your hand, here's some great words of comfort for you. All of that can change right now in this moment. You don't have to beat yourself up for yesterday. You, you start afresh right now in this moment. You receive his grace. You know that he's for you in Christ, that he loves you, that he wants to hear from you. Don't let guilt of the flesh rob you of the joy of your prayers. Spend time with him just to spend time with him because he loves you so much. Start anew right now. It's a brand new moment. Start anew. Father, give us wisdom in all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Would you come and maybe you want to come up front and pray? Maybe you want to stay there in your seats and pray as a couple, as an individual, as a family member? Maybe you want to come and pray. Whatever God is doing, would you just respond to him as we spend some time in worship this morning?